Hey there, I'm Becca Campbell, your pediatric sleep consultant, and this is the Little Z Sleep Podcast, where I am committed to resolving your child's exhausting sleep habits. Today is all about, oh, we've been waiting for it, early morning wakes. It's been over a year since I touched on this topic here on the podcast, so I want to share more strategies, more stories, and dig in deep on why in the world your little one is waking up at 5 a.m., or at 6 a.m. and how we can help to really make the fullest and best night of sleep. Before we get into all these strategies, I am so thrilled to share with you a sleep e-coaching testimonial from Emily Kelly. This is something that we have started to do in the podcast where you guys send in audio clips. Essentially, all you do is take out your phone, And on iPhone, you pull up voice memos and record about three minutes. So if you don't want to hear this testimonial, fast forward three minutes. But if you do and you want to hear more about what a coaching family looks like and what an opportunity to sleep train your child looks like, if you've wondered and questioned if you should sleep train and you've worried about creating separation anxiety, then Emily's story is one to listen into. So thank you, Emily, for sharing your story. Hi, my name is Emily Kelly, and I love Little Z Sleep. I just wanted to take a second and say thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for creating this e-coaching program, especially for mamas like me who were super hesitant beforehand to do the whole sleep training thing for fear of creating separation anxiety and any other issues that my kiddo might face by me letting him quote-unquote cry and leaving him to sleep in his bed alone. He's 16 months old now, but when he was 12 months old, I found out that I was pregnant with baby number two and decided that it was absolutely time to teach him how to fall asleep on his own. So a little background information. For the first year of his life, I breastfed him to sleep And then if that didn't do it, then I would rock him, I would sing to him, I would stand and bounce him. The whole process took probably an hour. So didn't really understand when bedtime should be, and I definitely didn't give him the tools to fall asleep on his own. When he got to be a year old and I found that I was pregnant, he was consistently waking up two to three times a night, anywhere from 15 minutes to two hours each time that he woke up. And so being pregnant with number two, I decided that he not only did he need his sleep, but I needed my sleep as well. So I uh, reached out to some friends. They recommended Becca, and I'm so glad that I listened to their recommendation because I purchased the e-coaching, watched the video, read the plan, and on Night one, felt absolutely confident. I had dad help me. By night three, my kiddo was putting himself to sleep in 10 minutes. Insane. He would wake up in the middle of the night, fuss for a minute, and go back to sleep. I did not have to go in there. I didn't have to check on him. I didn't have to do anything to help him go back to sleep. It was miraculous. Um, When we added in naps, he took to naps just about as easily as he did to bedtime, and I could not have done it without this program. The program gave me the confidence to put him down in his crib and let him fall asleep on his own. The fact that I had a plan with such specific guidelines and steps was so, so helpful. I have recommended Little Z Sleep to so many of my mom friends who struggle getting their kiddos to sleep. And I cannot say thank you enough for the peace of mind that it gives me to know that when 
I read him his bedtime story, say his prayers, and put him down in his crib, he's going to go to sleep, and he's going to stay asleep until we get up the next morning. And to know that I have my evenings free, that I can spend those with my husband, that I can go to bed early, whatever I need to do in order to be the most productive mom that I can be. So again, I say thank you, thank you, thank you so very much. All right, let's get into early morning wakings. First of all, why is this happening? Now, I share in all of our programs, I guess really except for newborn. So four months up, I share with parents that early morning wakes are going to happen when you're sleep training. It just is because your child will get to the point where their body has essentially evened out. They have repaid their sleep debt. They're waking up early and now they're fully convinced that nine and a half, 10 hours of sleep is great. And perhaps two, three weeks ago, you would have absolutely said, yes, Becca, I want nine hours of sleep. Let's get that. Now we're trying to get more. So you may be listening to this podcast because you just sleep trained your child and they're waking up early and we need to dig more a little bit deeper into this. Or you could be listening to this podcast because your child falls asleep independently but they're waking up early and forever they've woken up early and like, what can we do about this? So I'm going to go through my checklist that I do with my families. Now, the first thing I have to cover because currently it's mid-June. And a few weeks ago, I shared how we are getting our daughters to sleep at 7.30 and they're sleeping 7.30 to 7.30. We had been on a 7 to 7, so we pushed it. Well, around like let's say morning number five. Um, It was just a little bit into this new bedtime. They had been sleeping all the way till 7.30. Well, one morning it was 6.15 and they were talking and singing, putting on their Broadway shows. I'm like, what the heck is going on? I go up there and guess what, y'all? Their easy blackout covers had kind of come off of the window and their room had a huge beam of sunlight coming in through it. So of course they woke up early. So here's what I need you to do. Go to your child's room. I don't care if they're newborn, baby, toddler, preschooler, whatever. Honestly, even I would like to do this to my own room. Go into their room, sit down after you've closed the door, close the blinds, close the curtains and sit down. And just let your eyes acclimate. And if you can see objects around you, if you can very clearly see the bed, you can see objects hanging on the wall. You can even read words on the wall, on the artwork. You need to make the room darker. Now, if you're sitting there and you can't even see like your hand in front of your face, brilliant. You have a wonderfully darkened room. I also want to evaluate any nightlights. Now, I've talked about in previous podcasts that, yes, toddlers can have nightlights. I would prefer like a dim salt lamp or the hatch clock to be on red. That's not going to be as intrusive. What I want to make sure of is that we don't have sunshine coming into your child's room or even blue light or white light for that matter. If sunshine is coming in your child's room here on the East Coast, it is bright at 530 in the morning. So if you're little one has sunshine coming in their room, even if it's the tiniest little crack, guess what? It's going to trigger through their closed eyelids to their brain that it's time to wake up and we have got to make sure the room is dark. You, All of these other strategies will be for naught if there is sunshine coming in your child's room. Now, I actually have had a couple of questions, of course, since it's summertime asking, but how am I supposed to make the room dark? We have to have the windows open. And if that's the case, or perhaps you have a window unit. Window units, you guys can definitely still use the black 
blackout easy covers. I would highly recommend that. If you have to leave the windows open, I sympathize with you. I've been in places where we have to do that. We may need to adjust your child's bedtime. Um, we also may just need to be a little bit looser on our morning expectations because for one, if you can have as many fans as going as possible, great. And we can make the room as dark um, as we can. But of course, if you have to have the windows open, there's not much else we can do. Um, we can go through these other strategies, but your child probably is going to wake up early and we may just need to realign our expectations that they're going to get maybe 10 and a half, 11 hours of sleep. So open window situations, we kind of need to be flexible on our sleep. Now, we've made sure the room is completely pitch black dark. Check. Next, I'm going to check into what does your child think is going to happen at 5 or 6 a.m.? I have a family that I just checked in with recently who the child is 14 months old and she has, she's been learning how to sleep beautifully all night long. She's completed the e-coaching program. Everything is great except for her 5.30 a.m. wakings. And so when I started to dig, I found two things. One, I found that she was nursing or having a sippy cup of milk before bedtime routine, which can be okay, but mom shared with me that the nursing was also happening you know, in the morning when she got out of her crib 10 minutes later, but she had also started to become incredibly attached to mom. So what I asked her to do was in the morning when she got her toddler out of bed, I know that you're giving her a 10 minute wait, but get, add more time. And now let's start to have breakfast instead of instantly having nursing time with mommy. Especially as toddlers, I would love for them to have food and then nurse if you're continuing to nurse, which is wonderful. So let's create more separation. So I asked her to start doing that. And this was just a few nights ago, so I haven't checked back in yet. But this is absolutely going to help her situation because her little one is thinking, yeah, I can't wait to get up. I can't wait till mommy comes in here because I get to nurse. It's my favorite thing in the world. So check in on what is your child expecting? Are they expecting to get up and sit down in a cozy chair in their room in the semi-darkness in the you know 5 a.m. time and nurse with you or be rocked by you or go to your bed and cuddle? Oftentimes, that's what I'm finding with babies is that they are thinking at the 4 and 5 a.m. mark that we'll get up, go to mommy and daddy's bed and cuddle. Well, they don't really know that it's that time, but 4 and 5 a.m., it's some of the lightest sleep that your child is getting. So something could easily wake them up that's triggered into, oh, yep, time to go to mommy and daddy's bed. This is what we do. So I just need to make sure that you are not giving them instant gratification. And if you say that you're not, check into how your child is responding to some of this. Are they acting super attached to you? Like this didn't come out until the last few minutes of our 30 minute call that mom said, oh yeah, she's been just extremely attached to me. Well, mom is also pregnant. So of course, this little one is starting to feel that, kind of sensing that. And so I asked her in the morning time, get your child out of the crib, get dressed, change diaper, go downstairs, have her help you, like, you know, get your coffee, get your breakfast, get her breakfast, sit down with her, and then after breakfast, nurse. So just get creative in how we can start to space these things out. So Next thing we want to check in on are your child's nap or child's naps. Um, it really is going to be so critical to evaluate if your child is getting too much daytime sleep or if they need to be making a nap transition. 
Frequently, I can tell when a family reaches out through Instagram or through email and they say, hey, my seven-month-old is waking up at 5 a.m. They're taking three naps a day. How can I help them sleep longer? And the answer is consolidate, go to two naps, because if they're getting too much daytime sleep, it's going to take away from the nighttime. And guess where it usually takes away from? the early morning. So it really is important for you to evaluate, like, is it time to make a nap change? Are they getting too much sleep? Now, without getting heavy into the numbers on this podcast, because nobody wants to sit here and listen to me rattle off numbers, just go down in the show notes or go check out my Instagram. I have a button on the links in my Instagram. And of course, the link here on the show notes, that's a free schedule generator. I'm going to share with you what your child's ideal schedule should be and how much daytime sleep we're looking at. So if you're on one of these transition times, like six to seven, months or 12 to 14 months or even two and a half to three, it's time to start evaluating our naps. Okay. So let's make sure we're not getting too much daytime sleep. If we are cut naps off or make transitions, whatever we need to do really important. Now, of course I hear families say, Becca, there's no way I could do two naps because they're waking up at five. Well, okay. Here's what we need to be real about. Your little one needs to make a nap transition if they're in this six to seven month or 12 to 14 month or two and a half to three years old, because these are the times that we start to transition to consolidate naps or get rid of that nap. And what I need you to recognize is that in that morning time, your child's going to be the sleepiest. It's, it's called sleep pressure. It's essentially a sleep hangover. They slept all night. They wake up in the morning. They're tired. So I need you to pull out all the stops, um, snacks for older kids, music, playtime, excitement, whatever you can possibly do, push them to the appropriate nap. Don't get them up at 5 or 5.30. And just because you're tired by 6.30, go ahead and put them down for a nap, even though they can handle two and a half hours of awake time. Sure, they're going to go back to sleep at 6 or 6.30 and probably wake up at eight, but then guess what? The rest of your day is totally messed up. So it is so important for you to hold fast to your morning time, get them up, keep them on track for that first nap. Don't put them down early. Okay. That's only going to reinforce the idea that if they wake up early, they get to have a nap sooner and on a whim. And it doesn't matter that I have a schedule because I get to yawn and go down for a nap, even though I'm actually not ready. So it's just really important that you hold fast to the nap schedule or the appropriate awake times, which lead to a schedule to make sure that we're not doing and we're not giving naps on a whim, that we're really holding fast to what your child can do. All right. You probably knew I was going to say this, but I will always and forever ask a family to do our e-coaching programs if they have early morning wakings because I don't really know what's happening. I don't know if your child maybe sleeps with a pacifier or they fall asleep while rocking or if your toddler expects you to come lay down in bed with them. The reason e-coaching exists is to give you the foundations of how to sleep. Once I know you're doing that, now we can problem solve and dig into why else. So I am not even going to touch on props, okay? If you are listening to this podcast and you know your child is four months and up and they use a pacifier to go to sleep or they feed to sleep or they expect someone to lay with them and they have a prop, that's step one. So before you even get into these things, it's like we kind of need to sleep train and then we can look at these early morning strategies because it'll click. So I'm skipping over the whole props thing in case you haven't noticed because I cover that in e-coaching, but it is something to think about. What is your child looking for at 5 and 6 a.m. to help them go back to sleep? Now, the last 
thing that I want to stress here is that early morning wakings are very complicated. Those and short naps are the two hardest things to work through. So you've tried all of these strategies. You've made sure that the room is super dark. You've made sure that we have appropriate awake times or naps. We have evaluated the early morning expectations. What are they expecting you to come do for them or give to them? And really now is the time to start maybe questioning their bedtime. Now, there are multiple different ways I'm going to go with this. So hang with me. I want to evaluate your child's bedtime if it's the appropriate time, but then also their bedtime routine. Okay, I'm going to start with the bedtime routine first. If your child is under like 12 months and under, we can have a nighttime bottle, a nighttime nursing session right before you have them get into their crib. Yes, we're going to have a bedtime feed. But if your child is over 12 months old, that bedtime feed has to be gone because I got an email this week from a family who shared with me that their 18-month-old was really struggling, waking up early in the morning and multiple times at night. They couldn't understand why because she was taking a full bottle at bedtime. And ding, 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 that's it. After 12 months old, you cannot have a bedtime feed and have a successful night of sleep. Now, asterisk here. Sure, some people can. But generically, if you say go walk around the neighborhood and you'll lose 10 pounds, that may happen for one. It's not going to happen for everybody. So here on this podcast, I'm laying down the truth and I'm telling you that if you have a toddler or preschooler, they cannot have milk before they go to bed. Why? Milk is going to cause them to have wakings. Why? Because milk has natural sugars, which can act like a sugar crash for your child. Also, your child might be lounging, hanging out with a sippy cup or a bottle of milk, and they're starting to get tired and then thinking, apparently I need milk to get myself to go to sleep. So then they'll wake up at 5 and 6 a.m. looking for that. Y'all, I cannot tell you how many toddler families I've worked with where we start to dig and dig on those early mornings and I find that they just get the kid up, they go to the kitchen, grab their sippy cup, give them the sippy cup, sit them down at the TV, and bingo, that toddler has everything they want and more. So this strategy is one you can implement right away. If your toddler or preschooler is having a bottle or sippy cup of milk, stop it cold turkey at bedtime routine. If they ask about it, say, oh, this is a great opportunity to play. Go listen to episode number 32 where I give you the ideal toddler bedtime routine. It does not include a bedtime feed or bedtime snack because this is not the time to have that. So evaluate the milk situation. If your toddler or preschooler is waking up early, are they looking for that to help them get sleepy and get back some more hours of sleep in those early morning times? Really important to look at. All right, the next thing I said I wanted to check in on was the bed time, like the actual time your kiddo goes to sleep. Most people will think the later their child goes to bed, the later they will sleep. If you are a little Z's family, you know that ain't true. That's not going to happen. Y'all, you've got to get your kid to bed at the appropriate hour to have a fuller and better night of sleep. I'm looking at most of the time a 7 to 7 schedule or a 7 to 6 schedule. Again, we're aiming for 11 to 12 hours here. But what most families will try to do before they do e-coaching is implement an 8 p.m. bedtime in hopes that their child will sleep till 7 a.m. But you know what happens? It backfires and the child actually actually wakes up at maybe 6 or 6.15, therefore he's getting way less sleep. So I am going to ask you to start tracking some things. I know you're familiar with this. If you've done e-coaching, you've been keeping a log, but I want you to start to find about 15 minutes earlier. 
So if your little one has been going down at seven and waking up at, let's say, 545 tonight, I want you to put them down at 645 p.m. All right, I want you to do that for four to five nights. And I want to start to see if there's any difference here. If your little one goes down at 6.45 and sleeps till six or 6.15, they're getting more sleep than they were before. I would stay there. If you don't see any improvement in the morning wake time, then I would go 15 minutes earlier. Yes, I said earlier, not later. And do 6.30 and do that for four to five nights and track that sleep as well. If you're not seeing any improvement, then you have my full permission to do a 7.15. Now we're gonna kind of like shock them with a little bit later. All of these bed timings I want you to do for about four to five nights. Now, majority of the time, we've gone through this entire checklist and these bedtimes, and this is what is happening. We're seeing little by little morning time change. Better expectations, better things are happening. But you know what? There's always going to be something to look at. For instance, I worked through all of these strategies with a recent four-month-old, and guess what? He was learning how to roll. And so it didn't matter what we did. His body was trying to figure out how to roll from belly to back and back to belly. Finally, at the basically like tail end of our two weeks together, he flipped and he started sleeping better and fuller. And so he knew how to sleep on his own. He knew what to do and the skills, but his body was trying to learn a new developmental skill. So I do want you to evaluate what's happening in your child's body. We are not using teething as an excuse. I don't use gas as an excuse, but we can look at developmental regressions as far as a skill your little one is learning, like rolling, crawling, standing, sitting, even jumping and talking, that can happen. But it only really happens for about two weeks. So if you've been experiencing these early morning wakings for longer than two weeks, get on these strategies now. No matter where you are in your child's sleep training journey, I want you to know early morning wakes are normal. Again, if you are an e-coaching family, you can get support with me. In fact, I only open up support if you have completed a program. So you can go back into your program or send us an email. Step number five inside of your e-coaching program will give you email or phone support option, or you can just send us an email, goodmorning at littlezsleep.com, and we will send you the links to set this up. You know I am all about having great sleep and helping you make that a thing. So if you listen to Emily's story, you've listened to these strategies, and you know the missing link is that your kid has no idea how to sleep independently, it's time to teach them. Scroll down in the show notes or head to our website, littlezsleep.com, and start to check out options for your sleep course. All right, guys, sweet dreams. See you next time.